Broadcasting from the Business Radio X studio in Alpharetta, it's time for Profit Sense with Bill McDermott. Good morning. Welcome to Profit Sense. This podcast dives into the stories behind some of Atlanta's successful businesses and business owners and the professionals that advise them. We help local business leaders get the word out about the important work they're doing to serve their market, their community, and their profession, as well as discuss current issues that business owners are facing today across a wide variety of topics. I'm your host, Bill McDermott, and this show is presented by The Profitability Coach. When business owners want to increase their profitability, they often don't have the expertise to know where to start or what to do. I leverage my knowledge and relationships from 32 years in banking and 15 years as a business coach to identify the hurdles getting in the way and create a plan to deliver profitability they never thought possible. I am excited to have on the show today, Dee Barnes, who is the CEO of Evans Tool and Die. They also do metal stamping and laser cutting. Dee, glad to have you. Welcome to Profit Sense. Glad to be here, Bill. Thank you so much for having me today. It's our pleasure. And let's dive in and talk a little bit about the metal fab industry. As CEO, what are the biggest challenges facing the metal fabrication industry today in your view? The metal fabrication industry has suffered a lot of ups and downs over the last 20 and 30 years. And right now, I would say our biggest challenge is preparing the next generation of metal workers, metal fabrication workers. We are started out as a tool and die house. And so we build dies, which is a, a trade skill that takes five to 10 years to be a tool maker, to be a master tool maker, minimum five years. Wow. And that's a trade skill that you can't go to school to learn. You have to raise up your own people here. And so the challenge has been as manufacturing had left the United States for so long, there really weren't a lot of trades for young people to go into. So they stopped having it in the trade schools, stopped back in the day when my father, we're in a, we're in our 75th year, by the way. So yeah, isn't that incredible? Congratulations. Thank you. So my father, when he was the second generation of our metal stamping manufacturing tool and die, he actually taught classes at the trade school for tool and die work because the tool and die work was in the country, in the United States. Sure. As it left, there were less trade schools having classes because nobody had a place to work. So we're the few, there are few tool and die shops left that still have that trade skill. But now in the last five or six years, as there was reshoring and coming back to the United States, you see more people interested. The schools are starting, the trade schools are starting to have classes and those things are starting to pick back up, but not fast enough. It takes five years to raise up a tool maker. We've been raising up our own and having apprentices to come in and learn the trade. And that's been exciting to have the work in the U.S. for them to work on. And then you also just have a whole other generation of metal workers because you have technology, new things coming up. And we've been in business for, for quite a long time. And we had a lot of seasoned employees that are with us 20, 30, 40 years. So we're having to also replace that knowledge. And that's a challenge in today's market with, with uh, not enough workers for the amount of jobs that are out there. Yeah, I, I go back to May. So I had the privilege of visiting over in Ireland and actually went to the Waterford Crystal Factory. A similar situation, I think. I don't know about the educational background, but I do know the the glass blowing, uh, the glass cutting, all those things are trades. And I don't believe in Ireland they were providing those in school either. 
And what a great thing for your for your management team. I think you said it was your father or or grandfather that taught in the schools. My father. Yeah, yeah your ta- your father taught and actually helped train some of the tool and die trades people that would go into the industry, passing it on to that mm-hmm. next generation. Switching over to... I had a couple more things. On oh, that yeah, please. That was probably our biggest one. But inflation, obviously, is every industry. When we're talking about challenges oh, right now, yeah. I think inflation is a big issue for everybody. Not, it is. Not just metal fabrication. But with that, in the last five or six years, we saw a whole lot of talk about reshoring, about coming back to the United States. And that's been great. And we've seen that really happen. But I think with the hyperinflation that seems to be happening, the overseas competition is now becoming an issue again because okay. of the price. So okay. I think every the challenge of trying, not just that, but trying to uh, manage the fast-changing costs of everything. You're having to constantly requote every day because the price changes, and then you're trying to stay within the price range for comp- competitive prices and your product, and it's a real challenge, unlike any time I think that I've seen. Yeah, so, so. not only finding quality workers, combating inflation, other challenges that you're seeing on the horizon? I think those are probably the biggest ones. Okay. So let's let's switch to technology. Uh, I know recently uh, you added laser cutting as part of the skills, but what are some of the most exciting new technologies in the metal fabrication industry? Technology, I was thinking about that earlier. Technology is always something new and exciting. And I was thinking about robotics and laser cutting and CNC and wire EDM, all those electronic ways to cut metal and to do things have been around for a lot of years. I think the first laser was 1960 something. Oh, was it so really? So it's just funny how it's always the same stuff. It's just new, better, faster, yeah. cooler, something new laser. It might have been an old, slow laser cutting machine, but now there's fiber laser and all this cool stuff. I think that's always exciting. 3D printing, which I'm not doing right now, but it's interesting to look at. Sure. What else would I say about that? Pfizer, fiber laser, we have a, just the thing that we just purchased was a new fiber laser, and it cuts with heat through a fiber optic kind of cable in it. I think laser stands is an acronym for light amplified by stimulated emissions of radiation. I did not know that. Sounds fancy. Yeah, yeah, that is <laughs> um, fancy. So the heat of the laser light goes into the fiber optic cable and it amplifies the light, a lot of heat, and it cuts metal. Uh-huh. Well, now the fiber laser is just amazingly cool to watch and it cuts really clean, sharp parts low volume for us. That's another subject maybe down here on the conversation, but that's exciting to be able to have that technology and be able to cut things cleaner and faster than you could do it before. And the laser cutter uses nitrogen, oxygen, or air to blow away. So the laser's cutting and melting the metal away, and then there's left like molten metal that Mm -hmm. uses this air and oxygen to blow the molten metal out of the way and leave this clean cut, which is just really neat. Wow. All that stuff is always fun. Yeah. We're talking this morning with Dee Barnes, who is CEO of President CEO and President of Evans Tool and Die, Evans Metal Stamping. She's been CEO since 2011. Primarily, they have really heavily invested over the last 75 years in improving their community through manufacturing excellence. Evans is a one-stop shop, made in USA, preferred provider of precision tool and die builds. Also, progressive and hand transfer metal stamping products, and as well as the laser cutting fabrication that Dee just mentioned. As you're thinking about the future, what are some of the biggest opportunities for growth that you see in the metal fabrication industry? I think for a 
large to medium size family metal stamping business. We're not Ford or GM or, or someone like that. It, it's quite small, so you're not able to go places like have locations all over the world or you're different. It's a different competitive landscape. But I think some great opportunities are trying to leverage all the digital technology, all the technology that's out there with your trade skill that can't be digitized. The guys that make these tools and they've learned this trade for five to 10 years, you can't replace that with technology. You can sure. assist it with technology. So I think find, trying to find out how much you can integrate all of the digital technology with the trade skill is where I think growth would come. For instance, adding the fiber laser and adding different wire CNC machines and different things like that to make the die built, the guy that's building the die faster because now he doesn't have to go do that by hand. And I think robotics, we mentioned that, I might have mentioned that earlier, but there's always a new robot coming out and trying uh-huh. to figure out where it's best used for your. We have a, you know, our stamping is job shop rotation. So right. we don't really just run the same thing every day. Okay. So it's hard to use your robot if you're not going to do the same thing every day with the robot. So sure. we have other jobs that robotic welders that we're able to use in certain spaces. And that's challenging, but fun at the same time. And I think there's a lot of growth if you can leverage the two. Sure. Sure. Thinking also about growth, I know certainly Evans has a longstanding reputation as one of the best, maybe even the best in the Southeast. Are there growth opportunities outside of the Southeast nationally, maybe even internationally for for metal fabrication? I think so. And we ship all over the United States and in Mexico and different places. A lot of that, depending on the volume of your part and how you ship it, some of that's logistics and it's cheaper to stay in the Southeast for most companies that are buying. So it just depends on where that is. I think opportunities are everywhere. But when you got a logistics cost, yeah. like shipping on your container from China, you know, yeah. you got to decide whether you can do that or not. I'm guessing some of those big pallets or big orders of metal can be quite heavy. So, yeah, Very shipping heavy. and transfer is, yeah. is definitely a factor. Yeah, it's a lot of heavy parts. Sometimes not. They're just all, we do hundreds of thousands of pieces in metal stamping. And then you have your laser metal fab division that can create a part that's 100 pounds, one, po- one part being 100 pounds, a pallet or a frame that you're welding together. So it's all different. Yeah. So, so that 100-pound part's probably not going to be shipped to California <laughs> from here. But That makes perfect sense. Um, so you were talking a little bit earlier about to the trade and how trade crafts are developed usually through apprenticeship, through teaching. There's not necessarily always schools that are that you can go to, although it sounds like the schools are really starting to pick up. What advice would you give to a young person who is interested in a career in the metal fabrication industry? That's a good question because it is great to see the tech schools are talking about it now. Yeah. And I think you know, our job as manufacturers is to work with the schools to get that information into middle school and high school because you'll have boys and girls who are not going to a four-year school or don't Mm want to go to a four-year school. They would love to do something with their hands, which makes manufacturing really attractive. And I think letting the schools know, but if the school, someone in school is interested, there's career academies in schools that are now having metal industries, whether it's welding, there's all kinds of, you can do quality assurance training. There's all kinds of CNC program training that are at the career academies Mm -hmm. that is in high school level. Then you can go to the tech school and do a two or, you know, it's a two year degree, but you can get certificates. You can just get some, so many things. I went to visit the tech school the other day and saw all the things you could sign up for and just get a certificate. And I wanted to do them all. (laughs) I was like, Hey, can I go back to school? Because you could just get your certificate in welding or you can get 
a whole um, diploma in welding and do a lot more things, but there's so much out there. And, and Georgia subsidizes so much of the tuition. Oh, did There's really? so much tuition in tech that you could not even have a school bill after you're done with your two years. Yeah. Also, if you did have the bill, it's a lot lower debt than you're going to have going to a four-year school and not knowing what you're going to do. So I think a young person could pursue that, but also seek out manufacturers in the area. Go visit them. Sure. Uh, there are plenty of manufacturers that would love to have you come tour their place. And we do tours a lot with the local schools just so that kids can see what it's like. Because behind the business sign, you don't know what's going on in there. And a, and a young person might not know that's even available. And so that's an opportunity. We have internships that we'll do with um, work release programs for school and okay. let them come in and do something that's they might not be old enough to run certain things, but they can be a part of the industry and see if they like it. And there's some great careers in tool and die, metal stamping, CNC operation, laser, great benefits. And, and you can just really have a good career for people that really aren't wanting to go to that four-year school. Yeah, that's really good to hear about apprenticeships or in, internships. Excuse me. I think we've gone through a period in the United States where it, it seemed like a four-year college degree was the end-all be-all. And a lot of high, rising high school seniors thought, of course, I'm going to go to college. And so we... And we, you might be looked, even look down upon if you didn't go to the four-year school. Even though you didn't want to, the talk was so much that you have to do that. You have yeah. to do that in all the schools. And even as my kids were growing up, if you didn't choose to go to college, you were like on the bad list. Yeah. Yeah. And so hindsight being 2020, we just lost a lot of this very valuable, skilled work that really... Uh, uh, created a void in the market. And in general, we're at full employment as a market anyway across the country. But finding those skilled workers, I'm sure, might even be doubly difficult if there's a low supply. But it does sound like the tide has turned and there's now more emphasis on the trades and providing technical training for jobs. That's certainly true. And if you think about it, I can go back to the beginning and how this happened. I've been in the business about 37 years, something like that. I'm not going to tell my age. You, you started years. when you were four. I right? started when I was four, <laughs> around 37 years. So I've seen when we had manufacturing in the United States and when yeah. we had the tool and die trade. And so I think that the reason it's not in schools and the, the climate change is because the U.S. sent all of their manufacturing overseas. It's our, our manufacturing facilities, large companies moved everything overseas, which left the smaller suppliers without work because if the larger companies that are using my parts to make, say, a forklift or an automobile or anything, a washing machine, if all that moves overseas, then there there are no jobs here to run those parts. So over a 10-year, 15-year period, as it all went overseas, everything started changing. Now you got to get a four-year degree because you don't have any manufacturing work here in the United States. Was right. really what was happening. There's work still there, but the volume of it was certainly not there. So as it left... The folks like my father who were teaching class didn't need to teach class because there was no job for that young boy or girl to go to. Right. There weren't that many of them anyway. And so as that all that happened, you saw it leave the United States and small businesses struggled to stay in that that profitability place because there was not a lot of work. So anyway, now you see all that changing in the last five or six years, hey, reshoring, and then COVID happened and people really realized they should have been reshoring a long time ago because you couldn't get your products from overseas. And so I think that's been a great thing for manufacturing in the U.S. for the schools to realize, okay, now there's work, so let's teach kids how to do those things. Absolutely. So I think it took 20 years for it to leave. It'll take... Hopefully not 20 years to get back, but it might take that long for that whole thing to, re to circle back around to what we used to have, which was a great f functioning economy in the U.S. because we made things. Yep. 
Making, making things is fun. It is. It is. And Evans has done it well for the 75 years. And I know being made in the USA is a tagline of Evans. And certainly for those purchasers of metal stamping and metal fabrication products, I think the tide has turned, D, where many more companies are valuing parts and products that are made in the USA. And that plays right into your hand. Yeah, it really does. And I'm thankful for that because we love making everything in the United States. But I love seeing how many families have good paying jobs because of that entire pipeline of work. It starts with the end use manufacturer, but everybody that adds to that is a job for someone. Everybody that works in accounts payable, receivable, (laughs) every department that goes into that, there's a whole long line of suppliers underneath that that create jobs for this country. And I think manufacturing does it better than any other industry yeah. as far as the the line of suppliers that it takes to make something. Sure. There's a long line. It's yeah. not like a service industry and there is still a lot, but it's way it contributes so much to the economy. And that's why I love it. I love being manufacturing and love that we can do it. Love to see it picking up these days. So that's good. And by the way, I love your tagline that we make great things so that you can build great things. I I think that speaks so much to what Evans Tool and Die is all about. One of the things I wanted to ask you about too, while we're in time of uncertainty, there are some things that are exciting, not only that are going on at Evans, but also going on in in maybe your your line of business in general. Share with our listeners, what are you most excited about for the future of your company? Okay. For the future of our company specifically, I'm excited because of our new division that we've added. And so if you think about, we have tool and die manufacturers, tool and die skilled workers that we raise up and we've been raising up for 75 years that make dies that stamp out high volume metal products out of in punch presses. So we'll stamp hundreds of thousands of pieces for something for a golf cart or for the firearms industry or lighting industry, construction industry, commercial refrigeration, all these parts that you're doing high volume of because you wouldn't build a die for low volume work. So Previously, we had no opportunity or ability to do low-volume work. So this past year, we added the laser metal fabrication division, which allows us to do low-volume. Mm-hmm. We can do one of something or 500 or 5,000 of something without having to build a die, which takes 10 to 12, 20 weeks to build that tool. So quick turnaround, we have ability to serve our customers And I'm excited about the future of our company in that way because now our high-volume customers, they also have low-volume work, prototyping, things that we can add value to our current customers. But we also can do all kinds of things that aren't even in our metal stamping side, which just comes with laser and uh, welding and fabricating anything. And I'm excited because it's endless. There's unlimited creativity you can have with metal fabrication. You can build and make anything. If you can cut it and weld it, and bend it, you can make just about anything. And that's exciting because when our customers come with an idea, you can just fab it up and see if it works. And it works, and hopefully your volume gets so high that you turn into building a die to make something. So that's exciting for us, I think, as a family business, just having this new arm open. And I Mm -hmm. think there's a lot in the market for metal fabrication, all the way down to a business sign. And we can cut your logo out on a sign and Uh have it to you in in about three days. And you have this new sign. And that's the kind of fun stuff that you do that isn't really in your normal manufacturing side for an in-use manufacturer. But it it opens it up to retail. It's really the retail of making marketing materials out of metal. Yeah. So that's been 
That's fun. That's exciting for us as an individual business. That might be different than the landscape of the future. Sure, know, sure. Any other things that, that excite you? That's certainly a lot. There may not be anything else. What excites me about our individual business is that we're in our fourth generation. So I'm third generation, and my sons and nephew are in the fourth generation. So they are watching them come up as young 20s, mid-20s, late 20s, and learn to be toolmakers and watch that continuing on in our own individual family Sure, is exciting for me to see that they want to take on and be toolmakers and the satisfaction of watching them learn and love doing it yeah. is so much fun. And it's just a generational thing. And we see that with employees whose family members work at Evans also, but specifically in my own family, I love being able to hand that down. And some companies don't have anybody interested in the business and we have three in the fourth generation. Yeah. So I'm thrilled about that. And that's just fun. And like I said, I, I love manufacturing. I love to see us make things in this country and make a difference in providing things that we can create. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, to see that, that next generation of leadership grow and develop has got to be incredibly gratifying. We're talking to Dee Barnes this morning. Dee is the driving force behind Evan's ongoing commitment to Made in the USA, manufacturing and delivering the highest caliber of customer service. Dee, it's been an absolute delight having you on Profit Sense for that, for that toolmaker or maybe that intern that is looking for an internship, someone in your business who wants to work with a great company uh, that has a wonderful culture. What's the best way to get in touch with, with you or with Evans Tool and Die? The best way is just to go directly to our website. It is evanstd.com. So Evans spelled out TD for tool and die.com. Great. Listen, and for those potential clients that might have metal fabrication needs or laser needs, they have that, that website address and a way to get in touch with you as well. But thanks so much for coming on ProfitSense. It's meant the world to have you today. Thanks for having me, Bill. I look forward to next time. I'd like to talk about one question every business owner should be able to answer, and that's, what's my business worth? In a recent study, business owners were asked what they estimate the value of their business to be. 10% didn't have a clue. The other 90% answered in a wide range between $500,000 and $100 million. When asked how they arrived at that valuation, two-thirds answered that they had no specific method or they use some kind of informal methodology. Only a third answered that they had obtained an independent valuation from a qualified professional. But it's crucial to know the true value of your business for two main reasons. First, to make informed decisions about the future, such as whether to sell, expand, or make other major changes. For example, if you know that your business is worth a significant amount of money, you may be more likely to consider selling it in the future. Or if you know that your business is growing rapidly, you may more likely consider expanding into new markets. The second thing is to attract investors or partners. If you're looking to attract investors or partners, knowing the value of your business can be a valuable asset. Investors and partners will want to know how much your business is worth before they commit any money or resources. By having a professional valuation, you can show potential investors and partners that your business is a sound investment. Typically, our business is the largest asset we own on our personal financial statement. We should know the value to make informed decisions. If you want to keep up with the latest in pro-business news, follow us on LinkedIn, 
and Instagram at The Profitability Coach. If you want to listen to past or future Profit Sense episodes, you can find us on ProfitSenseRadio.com. This is Profit Sense with Bill McDermott signing off. Make it a great day.